0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, Agreso i Bebak. E sin Ben Oliger, a Benja Oraryanin. Bab. Hello there. Or should I say, shu my bab. Shu what? It's Welsh. For sure, <laughs> No, it means hello, hey there in Welsh. Did you not hear the preamble from our Welsh correspondent Merdin at the start?
1: Ah, uh, you were speaking Welsh, I didn't get that.
0: Yes, yes, and that's why we got Merdin to record the beginning bit as well, to, to welcome listeners to the podcast, because this week we've been to Wales.
1: Yeah, how do you pronounce that name again? Because as far as I was concerned, it was Merv. Merv. Merv.
0: I think I'm probably saying it wrong so apologies Merv. Merv. Yeah we, we know him as Merv but you know sometimes it's nice to it's like me I'm called Ben but you know sometimes it's nice to be called Benjamin because that's what's on my birth certificate.
1: Yeah and I'm called Benja huh, but everybody calls me anything else.
0: <laughs> At least they call you.
1: At least they call me, as long as you call me.
0: (laughs) But yeah, we had a fantastic time in one of the most beautiful parts of the country, if not the world.
1: Yeah, we went to Snowdonia, which, by the way, sounds like Narnia or something like that. It sounds like a place from a fantasy book, not a real actual place.
0: But, I mean, it is otherworldly. I mean, some of that scenery that we saw was just incredible, absolutely breathtaking.
1: Yeah, I was driving the whole time, so. Oh, all right. I didn't get to see that much. All
0: right you saw plenty thanks very much
1: yeah indeed i saw plenty
0: absolutely um we stayed in an old mining village called betheda betheda bethesta bethesta i think we need to go back to our welsh correspondent okay welsh correspondent do you think bethesta yeah yeah you were right so we stayed in this beautiful old miners cottage
1: slash sex dungeon
0: And it was just absolutely stunning. Like, it was a really, really nicely decorated. It had lots of character to it.
1: And sex dungeon.
0: There was a whiff of a sex dungeon about it. The reason being that the ceiling had a lot of hooks in it.
1: Probably about, what, 10, 15 hooks?
0: Yeah, I've never seen that many hooks in a ceiling before.
1: Let's be honest, it was quite a low ceiling. Very low. With um, wooden, what do you call them? Beams. Wooden beams. And there were hooks, like, on every side of the beams, different hooks, different sizes, different strengths. I mean, what would you want to hang from such low ceilings? Whatever you hang is going to, like, hit you on the face. So why would you want so many hooks from the ceiling? Well, clearly a sex swing. Sex tension.
0: But we were not offered that. So, you know, we didn't get the most of our superhost status, did but- we?
1: To be fair, you don't know. We didn't really read the welcome pack, did you?
0: No, we got the free Wi-Fi, but I mean, maybe if we'd have flipped over to things to do in the local area, it'd have been, give us a call and we'll bring you round the leather goods.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, have you ever used a sex dungeon, uh, like, uh, uh, like a hammock or something like that?
0: Well, actually, yeah, no, but I was invited to. And we'll talk no, o- but yes? <laughs> no, no, no. I, w- I was invited to. We'll talk about that in the main section, because we're talking about jobs later that we okay. did when we were younger. And that will all become clear a little bit later on. Mm, okay. It's like a little preview of what's to come. Leather with Ben. <laughs> Sex swing. With Ben. <laughs> with Ben. Whips. Whips. With Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically creating a spin-off podcast here where each week I use a different sexual implement um but yeah north wales was fantastic you and your the reason one of the main reasons why we went is because you and your brother did europe's longest zip line was it is it i I feel like it was i feel like i read that somewhere
1: it was a really good zip line
0: it was incredible
1: yeah we did too actually
0: Yeah, but we didn't... I didn't see the second one.
1: So what? It doesn't count because you didn't see it?
0: (laughs) No, I'm just saying.
1: I still did it.
0: I know, I know. And this is the thing. While you were living your zipline fantasy, me and your brother's girlfriend were like, well, we've got an hour and a half, because there was a bit of a tour before you went on the zipline. So we went to the nearby town... And thought we were going to see, like, a little steam railway and, you know, all these, like, little quaint shops. Everything was closed. British and, <laughs> Yeah, everything was closed. Okay. Literally everything. And the only thing we saw was, how can I put this politely, basically a crack whore snorting cocaine off a slate. Of a slate. Of a piece of slate, yeah. Which, you know, is keeping it real, because that's what that part of Wales is famous for.
1: Keeping it local is support your local businesses. You're support, uh, supporting your local drug dealer, and also your your slate mine.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, the weather was the weather was nice, so we had a little walk around. And then we came back to see you do your... Indeed. So, basically, zip. what happened
1: is they put us in harnesses. Not for the second. ring.
0: <laughs> Is this where the superhost works, you reckon? <laughs> Maybe, it's connected. Airbnb by day. <laughs> Zipline swinger by night. <laughs> oh, that sounded all
1: types of <laughs> wrong. So they put it in uh, harnesses, like the hard hats and so on, and they took us on what looked like a military track, and they took us up the mine, and got a little bit of a um, mini tour of the sites. I think they do it just... So it lasts longer.
0: Yeah, because the zip line was what, 20 seconds?
1: Yeah, it's not very long. So they tell you a little bit about the history of the mine, about child labour, about the people who died, and about the waste and slate in general, oh. which is all fun and games. All uplifting stuff for a exactly. bank holiday weekend. Exactly. <laughs> but it kind of prepares you to go to the first of
0: the zip lines. Now, when we got there... What, and so you're going down the zipline and you're thinking about child labour and death?
1: Well, I think that probably the zipline takes those thoughts out of your
0: head. Okay.
1: So we got up there, and again, there was a group of about probably 16, 17 people, more or less. And they said, well, who wants to go first? So I was like, raise my hand. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Why the hell do I want to wait for all of these people to have their fun before I have mine?
0: I think this is one of the reasons why I knew that you were my soulmate, because you are the kind of person who, when you go to a wedding, you are first up to the buffet. Oh, yeah. And I am first up to the buffet as well. It's like we're a match made in heaven.
1: I mean, someone has to start and the rest follows. So you just have to go there.
0: I mean, you know, it was a backhanded compliment. I was suggesting that you're a natural born leader, but essentially we want the carbs. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at.
1: Bring in the sausage rolls.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I really want a volivon now. A what? A volivon.
1: What's a volivant?
0: You don't know what a volivant is? No. So a volivon is like a pastry casing that's filled and it's usually like some kind of like mushroom and cream thing or prawn cocktail or you can put chicken in it, and then it's got a little hat on. In, in I think it comes from Belgium. They have big ones, but in this country they they got really popular in the nineteen seventies. So
1: he said, like he said, basically a canape.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: With a little top hat. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, we need to get some volivans. for my eighteenth birthday. My mum did a little party for like you know friends and family, like a little drop in thing. And I said, I want volivans because I love a volovan. But we didn't have enough. So I had to have basically a volvon hour where those people who I loved the most, I basically said, come between five and six if you want a volvon. So it was like a VIP volivon party.
1: I mean, you've had such a privileged life, but <laughs> I mean, the height of your problems was you didn't have enough volivons for everyone. I mean, that's pinnacle of your problems. Ah, British life. But what, going back to the zip line, because we were sort of on the on the zip line, so um, there's two um, very fine Welsh guys there.
0: Oh, you didn't mention those afterwards. Oh,
1: God, they're asses. Oh. Uh, uh, they walk a lot, and that's what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, I walk a lot as well, thanks very much.
1: Yeah, and you have a really nice ass. Oh, thanks. I mean, that's kind of the point. So they hook you up on the line. They do all of the safety checks. They cross-check each other and and so on. And then basically you are pretty much sitting on a hammock because your harness is kind of like it a hammock. Goes back to the sex wing, doesn't it? it? But it's not a sex wing. This is for them.
0: Uh, I bet they're super hosts down at the Zip World.
1: <laughs> probably, yeah, probably the super <laughs> hosts. So you're lying there and you have like your feet on like a, um, on the edge. Like, against the the edge. And then at some point, they... All safety checks and so on. And they open the gates. And all of the gates are four gates. They all four open at the same time. So it was me, my brother, and two other people. Who cares? And they do a countdown. And basically, when you... When there's three, two, one. And you just lift your feet and you let go. For me, they had to open a little bit of a parachute that you can have there. I did
0: notice the parachute. Yeah. I was like her he is extra. He yeah. has to have a parachute.
1: Extra fat. It's not because it's to slow you down, because you're fatter, so you oh, go quicker. Oh,
0: sorry. I just thought it was because you thought it looked
1: good. No. It's... It was like
0: a little additional costume that you could hire or something.
1: No, it's because I'm fat, so I gain more speed than my brother, who's half my size. And that's the whole point of the parachute—is to slow you down a little bit.
0: But you looked the best one on your on the four of you that came down. You looked the coolest because you had a parachute. It was a bit James Bond.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it looked like a little bit James Bondy, but yeah, but it was really, really cool. So the first one had like a massive drop right in front of you, mm-hmm. and then it had this part where it goes like really close to the ground, so you can really feel the speed. So it was really, really good. And then from there, you have to walk up to the top of the second one. And it was a fucking awful walk. So steep. And again, my brother's just as feet as I am. He's skinny. But he struggled with the uh, with that climb as well. So we went to the other one. So the first one is the one that you didn't see. Mm-hmm. So we went to the other one. And again, same process. They hooked us up, safety checks, blah, 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 blah. Three, two, one... Here you go. And that one is steeper. So you go probably, uh, what they say, about 50 to 60 miles an hour. Blimey. Considering that I'm fat, I'm probably on the 60 mark. Wow. So it's really, really quick. There's a, a huge drop as well, but it's really, really cool. What does
0: it feel like to go that fast?
1: I mean, open the window when we go in the car and find yeah,
0: out. Yeah, no, but it's kind of like your alfresco. you're fresco you know, you're, you're on plein air. You know, you're, you're out there. I mean... Uh, what does that feel
1: like? I don't know. I think that the the speed of it or the wind on your face is not necessarily what that's the experience. It's everything around you? It's all of these um, quarry below you. It's all of these sort of fast moving things. Not necessarily the wind on your on your face. <laughs> You're such a
0: scientist.
1: Well, the thing is as well, you need to remember that I that I did skydive, so that's where you feel you really feel the wind in your face. So in comparison, this one wasn't the that experience, but it's a beautiful experience. It was so cool
0: to the discipline. So we left there, which was near the town of Merv. Thank you. And then we went to another beautiful town called Merv. Thank you. I don't wanna feel like I'm taking the mick out of the Welsh language here because I'm not. It's just I want it to be pronounced properly. And it's really hard yeah. to pronounce Welsh well, any any Welsh words. And you forget as well, when you go to Wales, obviously, you know, everything's in two languages. But you kind of forget that Welsh is spoken by everybody there. Like, every kind of pub that we went into, every kind of shop and stuff, we would be spoken to in Welsh first. And then if we spoke English, people would respond. And it's an incredible, incredible language. So different from English. Like, you're trying to read it and and, and compare and contrast.
1: The only Welsh that I know is Araf, which means slow. And that's because you see it on the road. And head slow, head head
0: Headloo. Yeah, but
1: again, we're kind of probably butchering language. I know that because when you because when you drive into Wales, you have a sign that says like "croeso," which means welcome. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. And then Wales, means Welsh, is it "cymru"?
0: Cymru, 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 I don't know. I don't know. We didn't ask our Welsh correspondent to say that, so um, answer's on a postcard if you know that one.
1: Well, that's the bad where our Welsh listeners can participate.
0: I remember when we went to Wales uh, as kids, and my dad saw a, a young Welsh lad writing some graffiti on the wall in mm-hmm. Welsh, and my dad said to him, what are you writing? And he says, oh, I'm writing Go Home, You English Bastards. Oh, read. <laughs> and my dad said, mm, maybe you should write that in English, because... Very few English people are going to know what that means.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, not wrong. If I, like you didn't know what he was writing, and you're English,
0: absolutely. So, how would you get the hell out? Well, needless to say, we stayed for a week at um, Butlins in and um, mm. Had a great time had a great time. I think I saw Cannon and Ball that weekend.
1: Yeah, but still doesn't match up with Sex Dungeon. No, it doesn't
0: match up with Sex Dungeon. Although one of the highlights of the trip for me was that we did finally, for me, you know, it's kind of a bit of a bucket list item. We went to Anglesey and we visited the village with the longest place name, I think, in the world?
1: I think so. I mean,
0: I've never seen a place that has as many letters. The name of the village is 58 letters long.
1: I mean, that's a lot.
0: And to an uneducated eye, it kind of looks like someone's fallen asleep on a keyboard, doesn't it?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I'm going to try and read it now, okay? So, it's... Sure. No, you need to try it now. I
1: need to try it? Yeah. Okay, let me see. Um, Lambirpul... Gingil go gir quern, drobo landus, lio go drovolandus liogogogoch. Go, go. I remember. I
0: always remember gogogoch at the end. Okay. So yeah, I mean locals call it landfair puiul Puil Pui- Pui- or what, how, how, however that's pronounced, um, or I think you can call it landfair PG as well. Um, do you know what it means? Yeah, but what's
1: the fun in that? Do
0: you know what it means?
1: No, I have no idea what it means.
0: It means. The Church of Mary in the Hollow of the White Hazel near the fir- fierce whirlpool, and the Church of Usilo by the Red Cave.
1: So, isn't that like seventeen different words? So, why the name of the town is one word? Well,
0: I guess I guess in Welsh it's like in German they compound words into like one kind of like long word. But I know that it wasn't originally called that. The village, they it was basically a marketing trick in the Victorian era.
1: So it was Victoria marketing. Yeah,
0: to get more tourists to stop there.
1: PR.
0: But it worked. I mean, we went.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and there we...
0: was a few other people there who were taking pictures by the train station sign and the, the, the realistically, platforms. Realistically, we
1: went strictly and specifically to take a photo with the sign.
0: Well, absolutely.
1: And then nothing else. Yeah. So Well,
0: everything else was closed. We We went there right at the end of the day, to be fair. That is true. But yeah, so we tried to pronounce it, but... Clearly, we haven't done a very good job. Shall we check with our Welsh correspondent? Yeah. How do you say I mean, that's a, that's a skill to say that, isn't it?
1: I know. The thing is, is I, I wouldn't even remember it. That's the thing. It's too many letters, too many sort of compound wells. I I would have to read it because I wouldn't remember what comes next.
0: Maybe at school in Wales, they teach you how to say that so you can impress... Non-native speakers.
1: Is that sort of like one of your... um, The things that makes you like a a super student, being able to say the name of the town?
0: Well, Myrdan's very clever, but I'm sure other Welsh people can say it as well. Okay. I I, I honestly, I don't know.
1: But does every Welsh person know how to say it?
0: Well, I don't know. How many Welsh people do you know?
1: Uh, Not a lot.
0: I mean, let us know, Welsh people out there. Does every Welsh person know how to say... Let us know, right in. But yeah, so we had a great time in Wales. We came back via the aqueduct at Merv. What's it called? Trafford the Pontcysyllte. Yep, yeah, and we walked across yes, the aqueduct. That. That, that aqueduct. Again, absolutely stunning, beautiful piece of engineering. They call it the stream in the sky. Thomas Telford built it.
1: Uh-huh. That's nice.
0: A lot of people there, though, wasn't there? It was a bit hairy at one point walking across.
1: Well, yeah, it's a really narrow pathway. People walking twice. There should be like a one-way system.
0: There should be a one-way system. Has COVID taught them nothing? But um, it did feel like we were literally there when... A whole group of people suffering from vertigo decided to descend. Like literally everybody that we passed.
1: Yeah, it was like a support group for fear of heights. And you know when they force you to <laughs> f- to face your fear, they were all trying to walk that, and they were all holding to everything. And I was like, I just want to walk through. Let me go. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, thank you very much to Meriden there, our Welsh correspondent. Hopefully, we will come back to you again soon, and maybe we can have a two-way conversation this time. Who knows?
1: We'll buy you some Welsh cakes.
0: (laughs) Do people in Wales eat Welsh cakes? I
1: mean, I saw them in the
0: Sipwell place. They were selling them, so... In the gift shop, yeah. But that's like coming to me and saying, oh, I'll buy you some Yorkshire puddings if you help me out on something. Yes, and you love Yorkshire puddings. To be fair, if people wanted to pay me in Yorkshire puddings, I'd be quite happy Yeah, so... Okay, well, let's put a pin in that and we'll get back to him. (laughs) Today, in the main section, the main show, what you're all here for, uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about jobs. We're talking about jobs because we don't have enough jobs right now. We want
1: to talk about more.
0: What do you mean we don't have enough jobs?
1: Well, we're busy people. Oh, okay. That's what I meant.
0: All right, okay. I was going to say, I was like, are you moonlighting in another role that I don't know about? Are you with the superhost? you know, selling sex wings on the side?
1: To be fair, there's a lot of good business being made there.
0: Well, the best setter there is, yeah. Indeed. So, what was your first job?
1: So, my first, 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 first job was working, helping my dad. Okay. So my dad is an insurance broker back in Argentina. And uh, when I was probably about 15, I started going and uh, sort of helping out in the office. So it was kind of like, a, a, you know, making photocopies and very, very sort of low-level admin stuff that you could do just to get a little bit of uh, of pocket we- money. But funny enough, my most sort of vivid memory of that job wasn't the job itself was the fact that w- we were able to go to a rotisserie okay which uh, in argentina is a place that sells food but it sells all types of food it's not just a rotisserie chicken they serve everything and for me it was kind of like having takeaway and i remember one day I kind of got kind of, You know when you're hungry and you want to buy more. I probably I probably bought food for like four people, literally. And I have and I remember that in my face going out and to saying, "Well, does someone want a little bit?" Because of course, I mean, I was fat. I could eat, but I still couldn't eat all of that. I just wanted to take away. Mm. So I have zero memory of the job itself. I have memory of my memory is going to the rotisserie and getting lunch.
0: No. But I I think, you know, with any job, we always have those favourite lunchtime spots, don't we, nearby? You know, I worked in a museum in Coventry and I still crave one of the bacon sandwiches that the Café Over the Road used to do. And, you know, I don't know what it was, but it was something, you know, really nice to have on a Friday and, you know.
1: But was that your first job?
0: No, 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 no. My first job was when I was, again, probably about 14, 15 and I had a paper round.
1: Is that a thing in the UK?
0: Well, it was then. I don't I, I don't know if people still have paper rounds now. I mean, it's all online anyway, isn't it, for the majority of people. But yeah, I used to deliver newspapers.
1: Which newspaper? Well,
0: <laughs> this is...
1: So, Were you distributing the Daily Mail?
0: No, 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 no. I had my fingers in quite a lot of pies. I've had lots of jobs from the age of about 14. I remember when I was at sixth form and at uni as well, I had sort of two, three jobs on the go. You know, goodness knows how I passed my degree. But... My first newspaper round job was that I used to distribute the free newspaper. So this is the newspaper that people don't want.
1: Okay, like the one in the train stations.
0: Yes, yeah. But it used to be they used to be much more regional or every every town would have like a free weekly newspaper. Okay. And it was basically a few articles from the daily newspaper, loads of adverts and then some inserts. So what I would have to do is I'd have to put the inserts in. So these were like I don't know, like supermarket leaflets. Mm. um, You know, maybe they were trying to promote a new housing development or something like that and I'd put them in. And you would actually want them to be heavier because the heavier they were, the more you used to get paid.
1: What, did you get paid by weight? (laughs) Yeah.
0: If, if, If the adverts were heavier, you got paid. And I had a little trolley and I think I did about 200 houses some people didn't want the free newspaper and they were quite vocal about that. And they used to like, you know, come out of the house and be like, I told you I didn't want that. And you'd, you'd forget, you know, but you'd soon, you'd soon come p- kind of pick it up. But I was also the relief delivery, boy, so the reserve, if you like, mm-hmm. for the regular paper round that the news agents used to operate.
1: So, and who did the original paper round? Was it another Well, o-
0: other people would do it. But um, grown ups or children no children, it was always children, but if they went on holiday or they were sick, they would call me up, and I'd kind of like come in as like the relief, but again,
1: okay. so you were the standing for another <laughs> for another boy,
0: I was like the understudy, yeah I mean
1: sorry about but i'm i i, I like <laughs> winners in life, so I think you need to give me the telephone number of the main kid and and I'll see what they're up to now because this is not this, this is just not correct. Always, I need to be with weirdness.
0: Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But I used to do, <laughs> I used to do, sometimes get to do the Sunday morning paper, and that was the gold star newspaper delivery. You got the best trolley, you got the high vis trolley, so everyone knew you were coming. There was something very satisfying about delivering the Times with with all those supplements into somebody's letterbox and hearing it land on their doorstep, and then the dog chewing its pieces. Did
1: you have to throw it, like you know, in no. US films?
0: No, we have letterboxes here, and you put it in. Sometimes people would come to the end of the drive and collect it from me, and they'd be like, "I saved your legs." And um, did you get tips? At Christmas, yeah, and I even had a fan as well. So we called her—I don't know her name—but she was called Just Mint's Lady. Because every Christmas she would give me a packet of just mints. They're kind of like after eight chocolates, but they're in a, they're circular. Um, And she would give them to me. And she used to knit me things as well. So she'd always knit me a new pair of gloves every year, but they were fingerless. So I could handle the newspaper.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, she
0: was so lovely. She was absolutely lovely.
1: Life when you were young was so nice. Again, such a privileged childhood you had.
0: When you did the Sunday morning paper, I should say it was gold, nay, hey, platinum. That was the platinum the delivery. Platinum delivery. It used to take me probably about an hour and I'd get five pounds. And I was like, I've made it.
1: It's like the washable leather of the Sex Dungeons.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's two CD singles at our price, you I know. know? And yeah. I'd probably have a pound left for, I don't know, three chocolate bars, maybe even four. I think Mars bars were about 25p back then.
1: God, you're old.
0: So, yeah, that was my first job. And, and I loved it. It was it was great. It was free. Sometimes I'd do it on my bike. Sometimes I'd walk. Yeah, it was brilliant. Loved it. Okay, so you so you worked with your dad, and then what did you do after that?
1: Actually, a myriad of things. At some point, I used to sell credit cards over the phone. What? So the bank would hire people to call the regular public. Yeah. And offer them credit cards off their banks. So I used to offer HSBC credit cards, but we didn't necessarily have a list it would literally having photocopies of the the whole city's the phone book and instead of going with a ruler going name by name name by name and, I mean, that's proper old school, isn't and, it? And offer them a credit card that was obviously a credit card that was aimed at professionals and people who are really successful in life. And it's just a limited uh, <laughs> a limited promotion. We don't call everyone. We literally called everyone. <laughs> literally the whole phone book. I lasted a week on that one. Oh, okay. I sold two credit cards in a week.
0: And what, did they just ask you to leave?
1: Well, the thing is, is they expected more. I wasn't enjoying it. I kind of quit before they fired me, really. But I would presume that they would have fired me. Okay. I think that was the conversation. It's just that I said, look, I'm not enjoying this, so
0: bye. (laughs) Okay. So how old would you have been about then?
1: So that one I would have been just turned 18.
0: Okay. So at that age, I was working in a hotel... Technically, well, actually, no, not technically. We used to say it was a four-star hotel in York. But okay, they, they... so
1: why there was a question. I mean, stars of hotels, they are. there's a marking system. They, either you are or you're not. There's no grey area.
0: Yes, but you have to pay to be part of the star system.
1: I mean, if you are going to tell me that your hotel chose not to pay, that automatically makes it not a four-star hotel.
0: But everyone thought it was a four-star hotel because our logo was four acorns. So everyone just assumed that they were kind of like...
1: Like stars. (laughs) You were a four-acorn hotel.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's like where squirrels want to be. I mean... Needless to say, that hotel chain doesn't exist anymore. But I had a scream working in a hotel. I mean, it was literally food on tap. The chefs were terrifying, but also hilarious at the same time. I mean, they were in a really tight ship in the kitchen. I worked in the restaurant and they knew that I had a phobia of fish. So they used to like chase me around the kitchen with like whole trouts and, you know, pretend that it was about to eat me (laughs) and stuff like that. But yeah, I had many, many, many great memories and got up to all sorts of things that I don't even think I could probably discuss on this podcast. But one of the things was when I did room service one night and I had to go up to a room. To deliver just a bowl of chips and a bottle of Coke. Nothing exciting. Mm-hmm. I have to say we're going back into sex swing territory here because okay. when the door was answered, the gentleman who answered the door had no clothes on and he invited me into the room. Okay.
1: Did you go in?
0: Well, I had to put the chips down, didn't I? And he was clearly not taking them. I mean
1: he was dark naked. He's probably a good excuse to say, Here are your chips, bye.
0: But well, I wasn't going to leave them on the floor, so I put them on the what? side. So
1: you're going to put them on his penis? <laughs>
0: no, on the, on the sideboard in the room. Because okay. all the rooms are the same, so I knew how it was. So I walked in, and there was his wife, like, fully chained up to the bed. Like, you know, with even with, like, a little gag and stuff like that. And clearly, he wanted me to see that. So I was like, put the chips down, not into this, bye. But I still got a £2 tip, so...
1: I mean, the thing is, they probably just get off on you, or on your shock, or on you just seeing it. It doesn't necessarily require a reaction from you, I suppose.
0: But I also shocked as well myself in that job. We used to get a lot of... The hotel was in York, which is obviously where I grew up. Uh, we used to get a lot of tourists, and particularly the hotel that I worked in, we used to get a lot of Japanese tour groups come through. Okay. Which was very interesting, hearing somebody translate Yorkshire Pudding to a Japanese audience. And if you want to know what Yorkshire pudding is in Japanese, it's Yorkshire
1: Yorkshire pudding.
0: Pudding. Yeah. How did you know?
1: Well, I can imagine uh, Japanese has a word for everything, but not necessarily for foreign things. Mm. So I would have presumed that they would have translated the same.
0: Anyway, because of my good looks... Well, no, I've got very fair hair. And obviously to a Japanese person, that's not something you see very often. Okay. So I used to get asked for lots of photos, you know, at the end of the meal, can we have a photo next to you and and that kind of thing, which was fine. Did you feel
1: like a celebrity?
0: Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) It was nice to be wanted, shall we say. But one time I had a photo with this really, really sweet girl. And after the photograph, I put my arm around her and I just gave her a kiss on the cheek. And she immediately burst out crying. And as we know, having visited Japan, Japanese people are not exactly fond of public displays of affection. And this particular girl was really, really shy. And she just stood in the middle of the restaurant and sobbed her eyes out. And it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Because I didn't realise, I didn't think I'd done anything wrong. But I knew that I'd upset her. So then I felt really bad did you do anything to make it up for her to her or did you just disappear? Well, I kind of disappeared and then I came out and I brought her a little cake and said, Sorry. Okay. And Was she fine? She, well, she was still crying, but oh, how long did she cry? She cried for quite a while. Oh. It was one of those like long cries. But it was just really and everyone was looking at me. I mean I was a terrible I was a terrible waiter, in in, in all honesty. Like I remember I used to tell people every night that it was my first shift because I was so bad. Like, I would take people's mains while they were still eating their starter and I'd say, well, it's going to get cold, so you might as well eat it. <laughs> people would ask for a, a medium steak and I don't know how, but I would put it through as, like, well done and people would then send it back and I'd be like, oh, I don't know, like that to the chefs, you know. I I was absolutely atrocious. I, I loved it and I loved it. I loved interacting with people. And we had some great guests. We had the Venga Boys. Okay, you know, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and of course, And they actually came to dinner. I think it was breakfast. Actually, they came down to breakfast, dressed. You know, one of them was the sailor. That's the and, Banger Boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the two, um, the two guys mm-hmm. were—they were. were together, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they went, they walked hand in hand to the breakfast buffet. You know, they were kind of in an embrace while they were picking their sausages. It was lovely.
1: They were a sailor and a cowboy, weren't they? Yeah. Or something like
0: that. And one of the girls was like a club kid, wasn't? Were they? And I think the so. The other one—I was... never paid attention to the girls, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I mean, they were very attractive in real life as well, in the flesh.
1: The boys or the girls?
0: All of them, oh, all okay. of them. They were hot to trot. So mm. yeah, that was my uh, my my life in a, and and I loved working in the hotel. I mean, it, food on tap. I mean, you can't really go wrong there.
1: I mean, again, I was there trying to sell credit cards off the off the phone book, and you were there meeting the banger boys. <laughs> Hashtag privileged. Yeah.
0: Staying with the food theme, I then worked uh, when I went to university in my first year at uni. I worked for Subway sandwiches.
1: Okay, yeah, I remember this one.
0: And we used to watch because obviously it's an American chain, and we used to watch these awful videos that looked like they'd been made in the nineteen sixties, with like this kind of like sergeant major guy going, "If you got time to lean,
1: you got time to clean." Or well, did you have like a, like the eighties safety video where they show you someone like chopping their fingers off, and they actually show you the fingers and being chopped <laughs>
0: off and the blood? I don't think it was as bad as that. I don't think it was as bad as that. I mean, they were very health and safety conscious. What they weren't very conscious about, and I don't know if I should say this, because, I mean, I basically ate the profits of that company.
1: Are you going to admit me to a crime again?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Will the police come after me?
1: I mean, I think that probably is prescribed already. Is that, a, is that a word in English, when it's, like, expired?
0: I don't know. But thank you for masking my... Worry, at coming clean about this. I mean, I was terrible. I used to like get all the cookie dough and make like a giant cookie and just sit there. Just and for yourself. Just... <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: So you didn't give it to charity or something like it was no. just for yourself.
0: My friends would come in and I charge them for like a twenty p like cookie and then just say, oh yeah, have a foot long. You might as well. I mean, I'd sit there and just eat packs of gherkins and then uh... I would make sandwiches up for the week as well. So just like the bread. And the meat, and then I just take it home to my student hall and just freeze it.
1: Probably a crime, probably not anymore because it was like 20 years ago because you're old but
0: well they did start i think they started cottoning on i think when they realized they employed me their their profits were nosediving and they did put cctv in and it was all very regulated on what how much food we could have at break times and all that kind of stuff
1: before going any further did everyone who worked with you at subway did the same or did you just ruin it for everyone did you just overdo it and then they put cctv and you ruined it for everyone
0: well a lot of the other people who worked there were very thin they were quite skinny. So probably
1: you ruined it for everyone.
0: Well, no, I kind of felt like I was probably eating their share. They'd have like a six inch. And it's like, if you're going to go to Subway, get a foot long. I mean, six inch does sound like a little bit not enough, does it? In fact, there was one person I used to work with and she just used to have the kids pack meal, which is like, is that like a three inch? I don't know. It's I mean, it's smaller than a six inch. Well, if it's a kids
1: meal, it probably is, yeah.
0: It's like... We can have this for free, and you're having, like, the smallest one possible.
1: Well, she didn't need that much. So, I have my own food-related um, sort of university uh, job experience, but it's a little bit of an, on a tangent. Okay. So, when I was in uni, and of course, as you know, I was studying environmental engineering. Yeah. I started working in the university's laboratory. Okay which I'm going to call lab because I'm not sure whether laboratory is the right word. It kind of sounds like laboratory, kind of sounds like bathroom, but it's not. It's a lab.
0: Oh, you're making me question my own language now. Laboratory.
1: Laboratory or laboratory.
0: Oh, Uh, I don't know. We
1: can both be right. Just call it lab. Okay, lab. Okay, so I used to work in the lab, and it was an environmental and quality lab. So basically what happened is that, amongst other things, one of the main things that we did is all of these different industries around the area... That has uh, that have wastewaters, they would sample that wastewater and send it to us to make sure to analyze and make sure that they complied with environmental legislation for wastewater discharge we had as an example one that came from a pharmaceutical industry that their job was to extract a hormone that was used in women's fertility drugs the problem is is that a hormone was extracted from we so-,
0: so you had to Sample the wee.
1: So they sample the wee and they send us the effluent, so the waste wee, after they've extracted the oh, hormone. So you didn't
0: even have the best wee? You yeah. Had, no, you no. had like the shit wee.
1: Yeah, we had like the leftover
0: wee. Wow. Is that Does that have a name? Does that have a scientific name? The leftover wee? Uh, leftover urine. <laughs> oh. I mean, it just all sounds
1: a bit gross, really. Exactly. So they used to send us that sample before the wee went into the treatment. So they used to send us before we went into the treatment and after the treatment.
0: Oh, so you could compare and contrast wee's.
1: Yeah, so we could compare contrast the quality of the treatment process. Okay. The problem is the one that wasn't treated, all it just reeked of wee. It was like, you know when you know when you have a wee after you haven't drunk any water for like a day and a half.
0: Do you know what? I'm imagining it smelling like that toilet we went to in Anglesey at the weekend. That was disgusting.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, no, it was worse. It was absolutely worse.
0: Do you know, if I worked somewhere like that, I'd have to have, like, an Ambipure, like, stuck at my nose constantly. Oh, but
1: you get used to it. Because if you can imagine, a lot of, a lot of wastewater are sewer wastewater. So it's basically poo and wee, and this one was we. Yeah,
0: but you say that. I went to the, the sewers in Paris, and I thought that that was going to smell. And I was, like, looking through these metal grates, and I could see... Big poos going by. I could see like tampons. I could see gr- all the kind of things that people flush down the toilet. But it didn't smell. Mm,
1: maybe you were having a a congestion, uh, a, con- a congested nose. No, no, I wasn't. Mm, okay, so you're weird because it smells. But anyway, this is not the food part of the story. By the way, this is not the because I I, I did start the story with saying that it was a food. Maybe related. because
0: the, maybe because the wastewater was traveling really fast. Mm. If stuff's traveling really fast, does the smell travel really fast as well? No. Yeah. So why didn't it smell of poo? That's really weird. I might have to write to the Paris sewers and find out. Yeah.
1: But anyway, um, I know people might be wondering what's the food relation with this because I'm talking about we and poo, and I started this story saying that it was going to be like I, a food-related, uh, a food-related job. I was getting to that. So we also did, uh, on a different part of the lab, obviously, there were different rooms and different sections for different types of work, we also did quality uh, analysis. So we did uh, quality analysis for industrial processes. Okay. And we had, as clients, a, a company that used to make cold meats and cheeses. So, because of the nature of of how the sample works, they cannot send you just as much of cheese. <laughs> they have to send you, like, the whole cheese, like the whole 3-4 kilo cheese and the 3-4 kilo ham, and you have to sample it. So, basically, we would be very respectful... Do the analysis also make sure that it, um, and whether the analysis was right or wrong, and presumably wash your hands from han- from when you handled the way yeah of course, there were very very strict rules, but the strict rules were as well because if the analysis the quality analysis of the ham and the cheese went well, it was pizza time. Oh,
0: really is that what you did
1: <laughs> yeah of course imagine like four kilos it's like four kilos of ham four kilos of cheese okay that's metric how much is that i have no idea i don't speak your language yeah
0: but how much does four kilos like what what is it equivalent to i don't know how what much is, is it? a bag of sugar a kilo so it's like four bags of
1: sugar like of cheese What? it's like four bags of one kilo of sugar
0: oh my gosh
1: so what is it like i don't know £3? £2?
0: Something like that? No, it must be more than that. I mean, I'm just concerned about the nightmares that you had after all that cheese.
1: I mean, I don't know. I just... I just... Big metric. Okay. At the end of the day, you use for... As a sample, you use just a little bit. So, literally, you have... From the four kilos, you had, like, three kilos, 990 grams, left over.
0: Couldn't you have sent it back? Surely they could have resold it.
1: No, because you already opened it. Oh.
0: Yeah, but maybe they could have sold it as like a blue cheese or something.
1: No, as you can imagine, for them it's probably more expensive to get it couriered back than what it is to actually just leave it for you to dispose it. And of course, you were supposed to throw it away because Mm. it's the leftover sample. But
0: pizza time! Yeah, exactly. Waste not, want not.
1: Exactly. And it was really good Hammy It was like the premium brand of my hometown of Rosario. So it was really, really good. So we used to have... And um, we used to get these, um, um, these samples once a month. So we used to have, like, a whole week of pizza <laughs> for the whole lab.
0: But that's pretty much like how we live now as well. When you make pizza, you make pizza for days. Yeah, I know.
1: But that's because we like different types of pizzas.
0: But well, clearly old habits die 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 young as well.
1: Yeah, except that I don't particularly do an analysis of the uh, of the quality of the ham and cheese here at home. I don't have the instruments to do it. Are
0: you are you sampling my wee though? Mm, perchance. No,
1: especially because you don't have female hormones um for fertility in your wee.
0: Well, we don't know unless we try.
1: Uh, I'm not going to try. And again, I don't have the right equipment. I don't have the uh, the right lab uh, equipment. Well, Bab. Do you know what?
0: That's your Christmas present sorted. What a lab set. <laughs> yeah, so we can do. You can be like. You can be like um, Warwickshire's answer to Gillian McKeith. You know the lady who like who? prods the poo and stuff like that on the telly. She, like, looks at people's poo in Tupperware boxes and says, oh, you've not got enough roughage in your diet. She was the one, you know, she was meant to... She claims to be a doctor, but it turns out that she bought a PhD online.
1: Uh, Okay, I have no idea who you're talking about, so I'm going to say yes.
0: Well, our English listeners will have really appreciated that reference.
1: Okay, brilliant. Yeah, so, (laughs) um, as you can imagine, I was quite the fat gay nerd.
0: (laughs) What's changed, love? What's changed? Mm,
1: I don't wear a white love coat anymore.
0: So that was when you were at uni? Yes. Okay, well, I... My
1: <laughs> Remember that uni in Argentina, an engineering degree in Argentina, is five years long. So that, that was like one of my main jobs during a few years of uni.
0: Well, what other job did you do at uni then?
1: Well, so when I was finishing uni, when I was uh, doing my last year of classes, I had two jobs, actually.
0: I mean, it's jobs for the boys here, isn't it? We had a lot of jobs. Well,
1: I had a lot of bills to pay. The thing is, is you need to remember as well that... And this is the part where you bring the tiny violin. Exactly. So I... I used to work from half eight to half one in the lab. Then I used to work from half two to six... In a call centre, which is the other one that I'm going to tell you, tell you about. So, you went
0: back to a call centre?
1: What do you mean I went back Well,
0: you to... were in the credit card, weren't
1: you? Oh, well, yeah, but it was a different type of call centre. I wasn't selling anything. Okay. And then I used to go to class that technically started half from half five to half eleven at night. Okay. So, basically, what I used to do is was Monday to Thursday, I would get up at four in the morning, study until seven then get ready and go to work, do all of that. But then on weekends, I didn't study at all. So Thursday night, I went out. Friday night, I went out. Saturday night, I went out. And Sunday, took her for a drink? And Sunday, I would... No, you chilled on Sunday. um, Sunday, I would have an early drink. You have no idea what I'm doing here, have you? No, I have no idea what (laughs) you're doing It's the Craig
0: David song. Monday, took a for a drink on Tuesday, we were making love by Wednesday, and on Thursday and Friday and Saturday we chilled on Sunday.
1: <laughs> okay. So that's
0: a thing. Yeah, no. So I used to do that. <laughs> okay. I I really don't know how to move forward from that. It blows my mind. Like, I I probably sounded quite nonchalant then when you said about, you know, I used to get up at nine and then, you know, be at union till 11 o'clock. I remember when we first got together and you told me about this, I was just absolutely blown away. I mean, I went to university for three years and yes, I had several jobs while I was doing that, but I had time in the day to do that. You know, I could, you know, I was supported with a loan, you know, my parents helped me and I didn't have that, it just feels that the early part of your 20s was a very pressured time. Yeah, it
1: was. But at the same time, it's like work hard, party hard. Mm-hmm. I, and that's the thing. I used to get up really early, four in the morning to study uh, during the week. So I could have the weekends without doing anything, without having to study. And, and again, remember that unis work very differently. I, I, an engineering degree in Argentina is five years. And it's five years, I literally went to class Monday to Friday, and in the first few years I had classes on Saturdays as well. But it was literally the latter years, Monday to Friday, from half five to half eleven at night. Mm. And it was every day the same. Mm. It's just you had different lessons, you have different uh, different subjects, different classes and, uh,
0: and so on. And then there's me here with my history degree, my one hour of contact time a week. You know? One
1: hour a week, yeah. Just don't remind
0: <laughs> me. Hashtag privileged. <laughs> but
1: going back to the call centre... I worked for some time in a call centre where I kind of practiced my English because I used to work uh, for a call centre for a company in the US. And for um, uh, listeners in the US, that company was a mobile company called Drug Does
0: it still exist? I don't know if it still exists, but at that point it was... Drug Track. Oh track. I thought you said drug phone. Like he was Well bring your drugs now. <laughs> it was T R A C F O N E. Okay. It was it, it, it
1: was massive. It was absolutely massive. And we're talking about, these. we're talking about 2004, by the way. So we're talking that the Motorola B60, which was like the slim flip phone. love that phone. It wasn't yeah. the one that everyone loved, like the Razer. You know, the Razer that was oh. a, like the flat one. This one before, the V 60 was before. People Google Motorola B60.
0: I had a Razer. Was, mine was pink because I won it in a competition. It was a competition to win pinks as in the singer, her latest album. So I won a signed copy of Pink's latest album and a Pink phone. I didn't really want a Pink phone, so I bought a case for it. But then, do you know what? I thought, I'm going to own this Pink phone. And I, I I owned it loud and proud.
1: Well, like everything in your life is pink, loud and proud. Well, as it should be. Yeah. So the thing about this company is that, it has to be said, it was probably one of the only phone companies in the US at that time that you didn't need, it was pay- mainly pay-as-you-go and you didn't need to give any details to buy the phone and literally you would buy a $20 minute card and you would get the phone for free. It was that cheap and because of that and because uh, it, 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 you didn't need to give every uh, any details whatsoever, it was a phone very popular with cheaters, illegal immigrants, and people who really didn't want to give any details to any company and still have a mobile phone. Now, the quality part of the job was that TrackPhone did not care whatsoever if you solved a caller's problem. You were measured on whether you have taken the call in the way that TrackPhone wanted you to take the call.
0: well, so that sounds like customer service in reverse.
1: Well, the customer service was supposed to be given in a certain way, so you have certain scripts, certain things that you couldn't say. So for example, you couldn't start a a phrase with the word no because that was like confrontational. You could say actually, no. <laughs> But you couldn't start a, um, a phrase with no.
0: Yeah, but that's that's like classic customer service, like not apologising, but instead you yeah. say, sorry, feel that well, way.
1: But the thing is, if you solved the customer problem, no one gave a crap. If you started a phrase with no, you could get fired. Wow. I mean, and that's the thing. The quality metrics were all about customer, how you treated the customer, not the other way around. And knowing
0: you, I imagine you found this job very hard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I kind of did hope that they didn't listen to some of the of of my conversations. <laughs> but the fun part about this job was that you would sit there and you would get calls and calls and calls. You would leave every single day with a story to tell. I mean, I got proposed. There are people who said that based on my voice, they offered me to marry them.
0: Aww. Oh. They literally fell in love with your dulcet tones.
1: Mm, Yeah, I mean, you're hearing my voice. Our listeners hear my (laughs) voice. You wouldn't necessarily fall in love. But then it was a very complicated system as well. It has to be said. So in order for us to do anything, you needed to put your phone in code entry mode. Okay. So basically you had to, for example, very quickly press uh, star three one and the hashtag. It sounds like a sex line. And that would put the phone into the code entry mode. Okay. So if they wanted to charge minutes, they needed to put the phone into that into that code entry mode, and then they would need to add either two, one or two codes that were 18 characters long. Okay. I mean, this sounds very complicated. It was very complicated. And also, <laughs> the, when people called, they didn't have the choice to talk to an agent they would only automatically route them to an agent when they've screwed up so badly that the system didn't know what else to do so by the time you took the call they were already pissed
0: oh god
1: they were already angry but I, I people some people were lovely I did make a 12 year old cry a 12 year old was there not an age limit on these phones no that's the thing it's a, a pay as you go phone with no details and I made him cry on Christmas day <laughs>
0: Well, the thing is, he literally Scrooge.
1: Yeah, so he got a new a, a phone uh, as a press a Christmas present.
0: Oh my gosh! And
1: he was trying to activate the phone, and of course he couldn't. He couldn't put the phone on uh, on code entry mode, and it routed, and his call came to me. So I try. Okay. Please press, I don't know, I, I, can't, I think it was a star, a three, yeah, one yeah, pound, yeah. something doesn't, like that. doesn't really matter, but the, the technical details yeah. are not that important. We, we couldn't do it. Try again, couldn't do it. Try again, you couldn't do it. Um, in my head, we are being measured about the, the duration of calls. So if the calls... <laughs> so you're just like,
0: I want to get you off.
1: Yeah, kind of. But also, if you hung up on a caller, that was automatic dismissal. I mean, you this company automatically... sounds
0: like it oh, sounded yeah. like you
1: were working in a gulag. Yeah, a little bit, uh, to some extent, it was. No, I couldn't compare myself with the gulag. My work with the gulag. So basically, we try a few times. No, and uh, uh, he can't do it. He can't do it. At some point, I I say, and I didn't think I was saying this in a mean <laughs> way. <laughs> like, is there anyone there that can that can help you? I was just starts crying as i'm really trying and i said for fuck's sake i'm gonna get fired for this okay no no don't worry don't cry do we're trying to pick the kid up and trying to say like okay let's try again and again and again eventually we got there and he got his phone activated did he stop crying yeah he stopped crying Good. unfortunately but he, he was on but, but also, he still ruined his christmas yeah. let's be fair yeah a little bit But I think that one of the beauties of this job is that you learn just how human stupidity works. So one of my favorite calls, and this used to happen a lot, there was a number of things that happened a lot. A lot. Now, remember phones at that time, the battery was a separate battery that you had to put and you could replace remember yeah so one of the favorite things was people calling really angry this phone is shit it doesn't work it doesn't turn on this is crap okay so let's troubleshoot this please press and hold this button uh this is the problem i know nothing happens okay so let me see do you see anything on the phone okay maybe it's how the uh, the battery so where's the battery oh the battery's in the box and you're kind of there, and saying, yeah, do you really need me to fill in the dots on that?
0: <laughs> and this happened a lot. People. This
1: happened a lot. This happened way too many times, way more times than you would want it to happen. People telling you, oh, the battery's on the box. The other one that I absolutely loved, oh, this phone is crap, it doesn't work, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, can you please... Press and hold this button that you can find on the top right end of the phone. Oh, does it work now? Yes. Congratulations, you just turned your phone on.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, like, if you get older people and, you know, people are used to having landlines around that point, you know, and you don't need to charge them, you don't need to put a battery in, you can see how people could get confused. Mm, Yes, but I...
1: Let's give it this. Again, call it, and this happened way too many times. This phone is shit. It doesn't work. It's frozen, and uh, I, I, I'm blah, blah blah. I want a, a refund, and of course, I said you bought it on for 20 twenty dollar call card on um, uh, on Target. Okay, what can you see on the screen? I can see the numbers from zero to what, uh, zero to nine, and it's frozen. I cannot see anything else that doesn't change. Sir, ma'am, whoever. Would you mind peeling the sticker that is on the screen? No. That has the numbers printed.
0: Oh, yes. And then that was it. They were away. Did they apologise? Most of them, now. Then we
1: had, oh, my phone isn't working. Okay, what's happened to the phone? Oh, it got wet. Okay, so um, have you tried sort of opening, removing the battery, see if it dries, or leave it um, somewhere uh, with air to dry? Oh, no, no, I was in a cruise and it fell in the ocean. <laughs> so now it's at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, rice ain't going to help you, love. I mean, what? You, uh, and you're sitting there, it says, what am I supposed to do? Just scuba dive and retrieve it for you?
0: Well, if you wanted to show good customer service, maybe you should have done that.
1: I mean, there was that. There was, oh, I ran over the phone. Can you do anything? <laughs> I don't know. Put it in rice and see if that works. I mean, you literally just, your massive US truck, you run it over. <laughs> what, did, what did you expect it to happen? Oh, bless. I mean, the callers were, and that's the thing. Every day you, um, you finish the day with a story to tell. And the last and the best, you had some of the most arrogant people in the world as well calling you and saying, OK, can you put the phone in code mode, in code entry mode? Oh, fine. Uh, Yeah. Can you read me the code? So you would enter the code. And say, Well, my system doesn't recognize that phone. And say, Well, it should, and so on and so on. Eventually, you say, OK, so what can you see? Can you see the word track phone somewhere? Oh, no, no. It says Verizon. Okay, so it's a Verizon phone. Yeah. This is track
0: phone. <laughs> so they'd rung the wrong company.
1: Yeah, so, and so we're like, uh, and it's not Verizon. Well, put me through to Verizon. I don't have their number. <laughs> this is track phone. Well, can't you help me anyway? No, we're not Verizon. <laughs> And these conversations really went for way too long as well, where you had to explain that in the world, in a capitalist world, there were different phone companies and they didn't work with each other. Wow. And people didn't understand it.
0: You'd have to break it down to that level. To that level. Uh, I mean, I've never really... I've never worked in a call centre properly, but I did work for a radio station and I used to field the calls usually between the hours of midnight and six in the morning.
1: Oh, that's the...
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of conspiracy theories. I used to get this one lady, a very elderly lady, who used to ring me probably two or three times a week to tell me that her mother was killed because they removed her mother's heart and gave it to the Queen Mother.
1: Okay, so did the Queen Mother have a heart transplant?
0: According to this lady who used to ring me at the but radio station, publicly, I mean, was that... As far as I'm aware, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so basically, her mother was used as an, an involuntary organ donor for the Queen Mother.
0: Yeah, pretty much. But I used to get a lot of lonely truck drivers who'd phone me and they just used to want to have a chat, really. It was quite sweet in a way. But the thing
1: is, there's a lot of lonely people out there and because of the time of the day as well. It's not like they can talk to a lot of people, can they?
0: yeah it was it was it was sweet really but I suppose that the one job that I really want to talk about is again when I was at university and while you were you know doing your credit cards and and checking your Wii I was really living my hedonistic lifestyle because I worked at a, a gay nightclub one of the premium gay nightclubs in the country in Birmingham am I allowed to say the name of the nightclub? I don't know. Are you? I um, suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked at the Nightingale, which is still there now. It's an iconic venue. Um, it is a fantastic venue.
1: It's very young for us now.
0: Do you think so? Because I'd really, I'd really like to go. Bab, again. Last
1: time we, last time we went there, it was literally eighteen and nineteen year old, and us mid thirties people. Yeah. We were like we were like the creepy old men no, we in weren't. the nightclub.
0: No, we weren't. Don't get me wrong.
1: I don't mind being the old creepy guy in the nightclub. All for it, I'll be the old creepy guy in the nightclub. <laughs> but we were the old creepy guys in the in the nightclub.
0: But it was basically an amazing job because I used to work usually Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday nights, and usually one night in the week. And essentially, I was paid to have a night out because you'd be there in the middle of it all. You'd have plenty of space because you'd be behind the bar, so you weren't like... Packed in like a sardine. And we had three, there was two two levels, sorry. So there was like the ground floor, which was kind of like the pop area. Then there was kind of like a lounge bar in the middle. I used to work with this girl there. And the customers loved her, but she never did any work. She just used to stand at the end of the bar and people would tell their stories, their trials and tribulations. She was a good listener. And she would just go, oh, no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. On, and that's what she did all night, and her tip jar was full to the brim. Which you know, the only conversation that she did used to have back to the to the customers was to Statue got myself some jimmy chews this week and i'm thinking yeah all your tips from not working and just talking to the customers but you know it was a service that was required did you
1: get nice tips
0: i did show a bit of cleavage now and again i remember during pride i did quite well because people used to feel sorry for you because they were out celebrating pride and we were kind of behind the bar doing i mean ridiculous like 16 hour shifts i never knew that red bull was a thing until i started working in a nightclub put it that way People used to tip quite well. We were really lucky. And then on the top floor, that was like the hardcore dancers. You know, that's where everyone took their tops off. They're all sweaty, taking goodness knows what. You know, they were all drinking water, put it that way. Okay. And they just, they'd come out without a wallet or without a phone. They just have like some notes in their pockets and they'd all drop the money at some point during the night. So literally at the end of the night, the job that everyone wanted to do was to sweep the floor because you knew you were sweeping cash. It was like, you know, (laughs) know when you go to the seaside or... Or, or you know like the tipping point game where the where you like the machines like sweep the money yeah. down i mean that was literally what we were doing
1: and we're, I, I presume no one would really
0: claim it would it so it would well, be tips for you absolutely absolutely lost property that was another 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 good play because i think we had to keep it for so long and then after that it was kind of free-for-all i got a lovely diesel jacket but Isn't i mean
1: that the jacket that you still have
0: no, I know which one you're thinking of. I, I do have a jacket from uni, but I did actually buy that one. I know you're thinking that's my Quicksilver mm, one.
1: Mm, I'm not sure. But
0: random stuff, you get like CDs and, you know, all kinds of like fancy dress outfits and things what, like that.
1: What's the weirdest thing that you've found in the Lost Unfound?
0: Well, the weirdest, not necessarily thing, but person. So, What do you mean person? What did you, you, you find a
1: person in the Lost Unfound? It,
0: it, it, well, one night I was on the cloakroom duty... And just suddenly, all of a sudden, emerging out of a rack of coats and scarves was one of the guys from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Not the new Netflix one. It yeah, the, the It ori- was the original series, but the British version. Okay. And I, I couldn't tell you who he was. He had a chihuahua. And he was like, oh, I'm, I, darling, I'm just, I'm just hiding out here because um, they've told me that there's no VIP area. And I thought I'd make this into my VIP area. I was like, well, you can't because it's a cloakroom. Can you please leave? And he was like, do you know who I am, darling? Do you know who I am? And I was like... Vaguely, but no, like out of my cloakroom and off he went. So yeah, I kicked Queer Eye out of the uh, the cloakroom, Aww. forced him forced him out of the closet. If
1: you if you're listening to this person from Queer Eye who remembers being kicked out of the Nightingale's cloakroom, uh, this is the person to blame. Ben. But we
0: <laughs> thank you. But we. Um, we used to have all the, all the big stars came in. So, they, you know, the kind of stars who were at the end of their career or were trying to get back. We had Wigfield. I was very excited when she came. She signed the album of hers that I have. Saturday Night, she did, and Another Day, and Close to You. Oh, absolutely. You know Saturday Night? It's iconic. Saturday night, and then when it's getting... Oh, back, I know that song. Yeah, you know, with the dance. We had Jerry Halliwell. I mean, she pr- practically had a residency. She was there all the time. And so that was really exciting. While you were working, you were just kind of like washing the dishes and, you know, a Spice Girl would come out. It was absolutely fantastic. But the things that I saw in that nightclub have meant... I can imagine. ...have meant that nothing will ever shock me ever again.
1: So the like dungeons don't, um, well, don't really... We were
0: talking about the sex dungeons and I said that we'd get to this. We used to have a fetish night once. Well, I say a fetish night. It was during the day. Yeah. I think it was the first Sunday of the month. And I'll never forget, I was working behind the bar... And this woman, well, two women came up to the bar, one of whom was just wearing a basque.
1: What's a basque?
0: You know, like a a really tight corset. Okay. Nothing underneath. I mean, we're talking flaps in the wind. Okay. And she turned to her friend and she went, do you know what, Maureen? I love nothing more than when our Derek finishes work on a Friday night at 5pm and I strap him to that electric chair. That's me done for the weekend. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Word for word, I'll never forget that. I mean, the things that used to go on at that fetish fair, we used to, we had a swing on the top floor, so yeah. they used to like show products and things like that. Somebody did invite me back to their sex dungeon one night. Uh, of which course. I was very flattered. I said, no, thank you. I am going to go home and have a mug of Horlicks and watch the EastEnders omnibus, but thank you for your kind offer.
1: I mean, to be fair, I don't think you got the right end of a the stick there.
0: Somebody bought me a whip, like a horse whip.
1: Yeah, why? Sir?
0: I remember one guy got so excited at one of the floor shows that he had a heart attack and died. Oh, that's not he, nice. Literally, he got so excited, he had a heart attack and died. And you, I mean, you'd have also, you would have like grown women come in and men and they'd have like their partner attached on a lead and they were either a dog or a baby mm-hmm. or, you know, all all this kind of stuff. What?
1: But the thing is, you um, you you know because you've experienced it. It's a little bit of a community service, isn't it? You have all of these people. Who are living their lives wanting to be a leather dog or a baby or a dominatrix um, and all of the, or or any fetish under the sun, and they really don't have a lot of spaces where they can express themselves freely. Oh, and I
0: never judged anybody. And and,
1: and you saw it all, and um, sort of the Nightingale provided that space. I think it's brilliant. Um, I'm sure it must have provided some very interesting views.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember one night. When, this was when the when it was just a normal club night, and the the goods lift broke, which we used to bring the bottles up between the floors. And it had a glass frontage. It wasn't like a lift that where the doors closed. It was it was just a, a glass door that mm-hmm. you know you would open once the lift came up. And so I peered in because I knew it was broken just to see what was going on because you could hear the machinery whirring, and there was um, the resident drag queen there. Um, well with another friend okay. having a good time oh, okay. so yeah well. it was uh, a little bit of a, a little bit didn't realize that everybody else was was crowded by the glass lift and 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 enjoying the moment with them as well and 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 that that would happen a lot. I mean I would go maybe it was part of the show and you didn't know it <laughs> maybe maybe but obviously back then you could smoke indoors still Oh, remember those times? Uh, yeah. So, and we only had like a very short break. There was a little cafe bar in the nightclub that we'd all go and have like cheesy chips. But if we wanted a fag while we were working, we'd all just basically say we're going to the toilet and just sit sit on the toilet and have a cigarette. But it would always happen when I went to the toilet that there would be people shagging in the toilets when right. I went in.
1: I think that what you're thinking is that there's always someone shagging in the bathroom of, uh,
0: of the nightclub. So I'd just be like banging on the door saying, I need a shit, get out, get a fucking hotel. Just so I could sit down and have a fag and have a little drink. Oh,
1: that's such a bad thing to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I mean, shagging in the bathroom is not
0: a great thing. It's not a great choice. But, oh,
1: such a scrooge.
0: But yeah, a lot of fun memories. I made a lot of friends there who I'm still in touch with now. And it's kind of like, you know, it's that fleeting moment where you're young. You know, I mean, I used to start work at 10 o'clock and finish at six. And it's funny how you were saying about the rotisserie chicken before, because for me, the great pleasure was stopping at Tesco Express on the way home and buying a Ginster's pasty. And I'd just sit in my bed at like seven in the morning having done this like crazy shift throughout the night and just enjoy my Ginstas pasty before bed. And to me that was actually sometimes one of the highlights of the night. And yeah, the small pleasures. The small pleasures. Um interestingly talking about small pleasures, the other thing about when I worked at the Nightingale is a lot of the man- the managers were great and they were really they were really brilliant. And you know, all these crazy things happened but we all got trained and, you know, um and and, and rewarded really well. And one of the managers that I worked with had a bit of a sideline. He was involved in the in the porno, the pornographic okay. industry. And I remember one night I went I went into the office to collect my wages because we used to get wages in like a little brown envelope, yeah, the envelope. And he said, um, "Have you ever thought about doing porn?" And I was like, "What?" No. He was like, "Well, there is a market for people like you." What did you mean? Well, I never asked. And it's one of my great re- regrets in life that I never found out what my market is. Because, I mean, I could be a multimillionaire now, but um, I was quite happy to let that one lie.
1: Mm, yeah. Who would imagine that those two youngsters, you and I, would have the serious jobs that we have now? Boo. That was a blast from the past. It was, wasn't
0: it? It was a real trip down memory lane.
1: I feel like if we have a lot of young listeners, between a Motorola B60 flip phone and you getting your salary in a paper bag it's <laughs> a little bit of what the hell are these people talking about.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, one thing I did want to mention before we go, we have had a message from Mark in the US. Do you remember last week we asked people where they listen to the show? Yeah. Apparently he listens while he's vacuuming.
1: Is that so he doesn't hear our voices? Is that like I put the podcast and then I vacuum, so the noise blocks the podcast?
0: Oh, I never actually thought about that. I assume he wears headphones. Okay. Let's let's go with that. Let's, let's go, with, go that. with that. So if you do want to get in touch with us, tell us about the crazy jobs that you did when you were younger. You can get in touch with us on the old Twitter. We're at barebackpod. You can contact us on Instagram at barebackpodcast. We're on Facebook, just search for us, get in that search bar, type in Bareback and you'll find us eventually. Or you can email us at barebackpodcast at
1: gmail.com.
0: Right, so, what are we going to do now?
1: Mm. I think I'm gonna make sausage rolls. Now I kind of fancy a sausage roll.
0: <laughs> Why a sausage roll
1: all of a sudden? We talked about it at the beginning. See, you you're so dispersed. you can't even remember that we talked about a sausage roll.
0: Oh, you see, the problem is I'm thinking about Subway and I'm now deciding: do I want a six inch or a twelve inch? Wink, wink.
1: Or do you want your canapé things?
0: Oh yeah, the Volavons. Oh my gosh, so many nice things that I want right now.
1: Well, you're gonna get you're gonna get a sausage roll because I'm making sausage rolls. I'm cooking, so you're gonna get sausage rolls.
0: Okay, well, Sausage Rolls it is. Yay. Bon voyage, Sausage Roll.
1: Et sausage Roll.
0: Saucisson Roll.
1: Sausage
0: Why are we trying to speak French? I have and no idea. I'm
1: just following you. Very badly. Yeah.
0: Bye. Bye. <laughs>